Welcome to Eat Blog Talk, where food bloggers come to get their fill of the latest tips, tricks, and insight into the world of food blogging. If you feel that hunger for information, we'll provide you with the tools you need to add value to your blog, and we'll also ensure you're taking care of yourself because food blogging is a demanding job. Now, please welcome your host, Megan Porta. Hey, awesome food bloggers. Do you struggle with knowing exactly what you should be doing to move the needle forward in your business? And do you struggle with knowing what to focus on next? If so, if this sounds like you, I have two solutions for you. Number one is mastermind groups. There is so much power in getting people together and helping to solve each other's problems. At Eat Blog Talk, we have put together our own mastermind groups and we are hosting these weekly. You can join at any time. You can try it out for a month or you can sign up for a quarter or you can go all in and sign up for an entire year. Come join us, see if it's a great fit for you. And this will really help you to solve those problems you're having in your business and give you clarity about what you should be doing next to move your business forward. The next solution is the Eat Blog Talk membership. I have spent all of 2021 so far putting so much value inside of the membership. It is such a supportive and wonderful place to be for food bloggers. We are learning so much from each other. We are joining together in monthly intensive calls where we focus on very specific parts of food blogging in order to grow our businesses in massive ways. We also have guest experts come in and join us very regularly to talk about really specific parts of food blogging. And we get one-on-one access to these experts, such as Matt Mullen from Email Crush, Casey Marquis from MediaWise. So many great people are joining us in these sessions and they are super valuable. There are so many reasons why you should be in the membership. I could not even start touching on all of it. If you're tired of wandering around aimlessly in your business and not knowing what to focus on, Give the membership a try for free for two weeks. Go to eatblogtalk.com. You can sign up for the masterminds there, and you can also start the process of getting into the membership for two weeks just to check it out. The rest of us can't wait to see you inside. What's up, food bloggers? Welcome to Eat Blog Talk. This podcast is for you, food bloggers wanting value and clarity to help you find greater success in your business. I am so excited. Tiffany Edwards is with me today from Creme de la Creme, and we're going to have a conversation about adapting to changes and being resilient within the food blogging industry. Tiffany is the owner, recipe creator, and photographer behind Creme de la Creme. She's been in the industry since 2013. She has grown her blog into a seven-figure business, and she wants to share her knowledge and experience with others in the industry. I'm so excited to chat with you today, Tiffany. You have so much to share with us, I'm sure. But before we get started, we want to hear your fun fact. Right. Um, So I have three little kids. Uh, They're all pretty young. Um, I have twins, actually. They are five, a girl and a boy. And I have a little daughter who is going to be three soon. Um, So my fun fact is that I actually did not find out the gender with any of them before they were born. So a lot of people just gasp and say, oh my gosh, how could you do that? Not even with your twins. And it's true. I really didn't, we didn't find out. And it was so, so much fun. So you liked that because I, 
I was the opposite. I was like, I need to know. I want to know. And I know a lot of people are like that. But you really liked the surprise of it, huh? I really did. I loved it. And people, that's like the number one response from people is, I could never do that. I'm such a control freak. I have to know. (laughs) And I just really, really enjoyed the surprise of it all. Um, Just the suspense building. And I mean, it drove my mother-in-law absolutely nuts. Mother and yes, mothers-in-law go crazy over that sort of thing like how could you not know this I know in fact it was funny because she accused me several times nicely of knowing and just not telling her oh my goodness <laughs> that's said, hilarious I'm sure you guys know and you're just not sharing <gasps> and I would tell her the surprise is for me not for you <laughs> this is about me not yeah. you I have the babies in my stomach exactly so it was kind of funny um people were just shocked that we would not find out especially when we had twins coming they thought, how can you not know? And um, it really was just so much fun. I loved it so much. I did it again with my second pregnancy. And if I ever had another baby, I'd do it again. <laughs> oh, I love that. And especially with twins, because you could get so many different combinations, right? Like you could have two boys or two girls. Exactly. Yeah. Which the trickiest part of that was having enough names, you know, ready when we went to the hospital. <laughs> not knowing what the gender was going to be. So it was really fun. And it kind of, um, it's kind of a telltale of some of my personality. I mean, I really am a planner. um, And that has really shown through in my business and other aspects of my life. And I think it really shocked a lot of people when I said, we're not finding out gender. (laughs) So it kind of goes against what you normally do, which is kind of fun too. Like, what is Tiffany up to? (laughs) I love that. Thank you for sharing that, Tiffany. Um, And yeah, we're just excited to learn from you and to hear about your blogging journey. I've been a fan of yours forever. I love your site. Your recipes are amazing. And just like the look and feel of your site has always been really appealing to me. Um, And as you know, because you've been in the game for so long, it's so imperative that you remain adaptable and resilient as a food blogger because otherwise you will go crazy or yes. you will quit <laughs> so or so all true. of the above. <laughs> yes, definitely all of the above. <laughs> yes. And I've been there at times. Thankfully, I've gotten back in the game, but I would just love for you to talk about your journey a little bit, like how it started, kind of talk through the evolution. We'd love to hear your big wins, maybe your heartaches and fails. I know that's a lot of questions. I know. And when it's a a long journey, there's definitely, (laughs) what do I tell and what do I leave out? But um, I am really excited to be talking with you and to share what I do know with others. Um, I know that When I started a blog, I would have given anything to have a podcast like this to turn to for a lot of wisdom and advice from others in the industry. I feel like there were so many unknowns and it was a lot of guesswork. It still is sometimes, but there's so much more available to us now than there was um, back in, you know, I started in 2013 um, and things were a lot different back then. And um, I'm glad that we're talking about adaptability today because honestly, I, I could say, you know, my my blog, my site, my business would be obsolete or gone at this point if I had not continued to change with the times. So um, I started in 2013. Um, I didn't have any kids yet. Uh, My husband and I got married in 2012 and he was traveling quite a bit for work. I was kind of honing in my cooking skills. I didn't cook a lot growing up. 
I love to eat. I always love to eat, um, but I did not do a lot of the cooking. And so I was teaching myself to cook and I was realizing that I really had a, a love and a passion for it that I never knew was there before. And I had a little bit of background in photography and I, the whole, um, I mean, Pinterest was getting really big at the time. And so I could see that people had these, you know, these websites, these blogs that they were, you know, making recipes and kind of um, using that as a, a notebook for themselves or a, um, you know, a filing cabinet for their recipes. And then they were also combining that with photography, which really, really appealed to me because of my um, photography background. And please don't go back to my earliest recipes and look at my photos <laughs> because they are horrifying. But at the time, they really stood out on Pinterest. The quality is not what you will see today on Pinterest and elsewhere on the internet. But at the time, they really gave me a leg up. My photographs did. Um, I was able to use um, what little photography experience I had at the time to set my work apart on Pinterest. And that helped me get a leg up in the game and start to grow very quickly. Um, I started out with the goal, and I always like to look back on this at fondly, um, but I started out with this goal of... I would love to make $1,000 a year. I think that would be so awesome if I could do that on the side, you know, even when we have kids, that would be so great. Like who doesn't want an extra $1,000 a year, right? That, that's a, that could be a trip or, you know, um, a remodel project or something. And um, I was stoked. And that was actually kind of what I pitched to my husband when I had started it, I actually started it. And then a week later, I told him, I was like, so I started a food blog. He's all, what is a food blog? <laughs> and at the time I was going to school, I was working full time. And within a few months, I had, I mean, I really hit the ground running. I was posting a new recipe every day of the week. And um, I just, I fell in love with it. I really went hard. And then a few months in, I lost my full-time job. I got laid off and I went on a couple of interviews to get a new job. And I remember um, sitting down to dinner with my husband one night and, and I said, so just hear me out. What if I don't look for a new full-time job and I just try this food blogging thing full-time? Um, and at the time I had learned in the course of those few months that the thousand dollar goal I had started with was really low <laughs> and there was a lot more opportunity and a lot more money to be made in the industry. And I got really excited about it. So I told him about that and I said, Hey, what if I do this? Um, it was, I remember it was October and I said, what if I just do this till January 1st? And then I reevaluate, we see where the blog is and what's happening with it. And if it's not showing a lot of promise, I will go, you know, I will go get a new full-time job somewhere. And he was on board. He said, yeah, I think that that's, you know, reasonable. Um, and so we did it. And little, I did not know at the time or understand at the time what um, a huge deal fourth quarter is for internet uh, businesses and especially in our niche. Um, 
just that growth that happens and can happen and the possibilities there in fourth quarter. And so it really was kind of the perfect timing without knowing it. Um, but my blog did really take off during that time. I surpassed my $1,000 goal for one month, which originally had been my goal for a year. Um, and I got so excited about it. January 1st came, I talked to my husband and said, hey, you know, look at where we're at. And he was totally on board and said, all right, let's, you know, let's do this. And I just kept at it. Um, and I kept, I made kind of benchmarks for myself and I kept hitting them usually sooner than I anticipated. Um, and so that was a really fun time that first year to see how quickly it grew and scaled. And, um, it's, uh, a much different process now to be growing your site and your business. But at the time it grew so quickly and um, it, I was really fortunate to be in kind of the right place at the right time with a, a little bit of a skill set that helped me set my work apart. So that's kind of how I got started. There was a sweet spot yes. there, right? <laughs> that, that few years when Pinterest was just mm -hmm. taking off, I too got into that um, and honestly it was by accident for me but I figured out the photography side enough to really make huge traction on Pinterest like I get I got better traffic years ago from Pinterest oh, than I do now yeah. overall like I remember having a million page view mm -hmm. months f just oh, from yep. Pinterest <laughs> and now that is unheard of for me like yeah, like I I rode that Pinterest wave for so many years and then it just got more saturated and things are it's a totally different story now, is. but I love that your yeah, your first year was a great wild success. That's awesome. I love that you had $1000 a year and then whoa, it happened in a month. You were like right. this is amazing. <laughs> it was really incredible. And like you said, I mean it was the right place at the time, right time with Pinterest. Um, but there did come a time when Pinterest changed and, um, you know, I, I had to adapt, which is going to, you know, play into everything else we're going to talk about. But, um, you know, I rode that Pinterest wave as long as I could. And then I really had to get smart about my business. And I remember feeling so heartbroken when my Pinterest traffic was declining. And I thought, oh my gosh, my business is going to die. This is not going to last. I'm not going to survive it. And I have felt that way several times throughout my journey of food blogging. And I think that that is um, fairly typical. I don't think that everyone can say, you know, there was never a time when I, you know, thought that this might be the end or something. In fact, I remember there was kind of a, a kind of a joke, but kind of not a joke <laughs> of there being that they call it the blog apocalypse. Um, a lot of the, you know, quote unquote, bigger bloggers that were kind of in this circle with me, we would call it the blog apocalypse is coming. And it was just that we thought, you know, there was this notion going around that blogging was going to die. It was going to die out and there was going to be no money to ma be made. And we just had to ride this wave as long as we could. And as we found out, the internet changed, food blogging changed, uh, the way that ads are run has completely changed from where it was when I started. The way that we make money is different. You know, everything changed and we make so much more money than we did before that, you know, quote unquote blog apocalypse came and things did change, you know, and it was rough and there was a lot of stress. Um, 
But as things continue to evolve, a lot more opportunity has come from it. Yeah, that's so true. And that's part of the game. I feel like we talked about this a little bit before, just that need to be adaptable or you will quit. And a lot of people did early on because I remember seeing bloggers who are just killing it, like creating the best recipes, engaging with their audiences in crazy ways. And then they just fell off the face of the earth because it was so um, tumultuous. Like you either sunk or you just kept swimming. And it was like a turning point for a lot of bloggers when things really started changing, when Pinterest changed. I think that was kind of the turning point for a lot of bloggers. So what kept you in the game? Like what kept you motivated through all of that? Because it can be really crazy. Right. Um, well, in, in business, um, or if you listen to lots of business podcasts or read business books, they, you might hear come across this term called a hard why. Um, and the hard why is your reason at the core of why you were running your business. What is it that keeps you going? Why is it that you want to be in this field, in this industry, offering whatever you are offering to the world? If you can really hone in on that hard why, it can get you through a lot. Um, And for me, to be honest, my hard why has changed over time. In the very beginning, I was highly motivated because I wanted to make money. which I mean, we all want to make money. But for me, it was a very personal thing. I was hoping to pay for um, our, so my husband and I have infertility that we've dealt with. And so for me, we, I really wanted to be able to pay for in vitro, which was this huge thing for us. And um, there are financing options available, um, but we really wanted to stay out of debt. That was really important to us. And so I thought if I can make enough money to pay for this, it will be a huge thing for us, um, a huge weight off our shoulders. And so that's kind of what it kept me motivated in the very beginning and kind of sparked that fire. Um, And over time, that has changed. Um, There's another kind of aspect of growing a business that you might come across um, when reading books or things. But um, to, I mean, once you have that hard why, um, you really have to hone in on it and focus on that through the challenges. Sticking through it with the hard why really will carry you through a lot. And like I said, over time, um, that changed for me. I eventually, you know, I was able to make that money. We were able to pay for what we wanted to pay for. And then at that point, I realized um, that there was a lot more growth and opportunity to be had in this industry. And I really wanted to do something in business you call buying back your time. So I really have always enjoyed working and having a career. um, But I also really um, focus on family time. That's a huge thing for my husband and I. And so I wanted to be able to do this thing called buying back your time. And when you buy back your time, you're able to spend it however you want. And that's a freedom that comes through working for yourself and having successful business that runs on its own without depending on a corporation that you might work for without having a boss. You know, this is something you can do when you're working for yourself is buy back your time and then spend it how you want to spend it. And so that was this goal for me was to buy back my time and be able to spend more and more time with my family. So I was highly motivated to keep 
my blog running, but also get to a point where it could build up enough momentum that I wouldn't have to babysit it day after day, um, you know, from sunup till sundown, which is what I was doing back in the beginning, running every single piece of it. I really wanted to be able to scale it to a point where I could step back at times and have that time with my family, have personal time and still trust that the train was going to keep moving. I love that. I've never heard anyone phrase it like that, but buying back your time is so smart because if we allow uh, food blogging to take over our lives, it really will. It did for me for so many years. And I got to that point too, Tiffany, where I was like, okay, wait, this is like counterproductive. It's doing the opposite of what I actually wanted this to do, right? I think we all get to that point where we're like, whoa, whoa, whoa. I'm spending way more time in my business. I'm actually paying to be a food blogger. Right. So there comes that point where you're like, I have to figure out how to turn this around. So do you have like... For you. Yeah, right. And that's different for everybody, I think. But I'm curious if you have like schedule restrictions. How do you work your schedule? So... Over time, this has changed a lot as we've had kids and then had another kid. <laughs> and so at different times, it changes. And in different seasons, it changes, right? So, um, you know, during the summertime, that's a particularly slow time for food blogging in general. And that's a time when I usually will step back and I will, you know, I will make fewer recipes. I will spend less time doing my um, computer work. And then during, you know, third and fourth quarter, we know as a family that that's a pretty busy time for me. And so I adjust my schedule accordingly. Um, but I mean, in those first few years, I look back and I just want to go back and like give myself a little squeeze, a little hug, a little pat of encouragement <laughs> and say, you're doing so great because I was burning the midnight oil day after day after day, even with no kids. I mean, I just, I really wanted to get my blog off the ground. I really wanted it to be successful and I wanted it to be one of the best out there that was important to me. And I um, spent so many hours, I mean, way more than a 40 hour work week back in the beginning, which I think is pretty common with entrepreneurs and getting a business off the ground. Um, but so my schedule has changed over time. Um, and now I'm able to squeeze, you know, my work hours into maybe when my kids are at preschool or my husband's, um, schedule has been, flexible over the years. And so there have been times when he's been able to uh, be home with the kids so that I can focus on my work. And um, so anyways, but, but it plays perfectly into what we're talking about, about being adaptable. You really have to be adaptable, even with your time and the way that you are spending your time on your business and where you're allotting your hours. Because over time, you know, I mean, your personal life is still happening while you're running a business. That's just the truth of it. And you have to be able to adjust and, and make changes as you go to what's working for you and be able to step back and reassess and say, okay, this, this is not working. We need to make a change. Um, and then be able to refocus your efforts where they matter most. That's such a great answer. I love that. So I also love that you said that if you could go back, you'd give yourself a little pat of encouragement. And because often I think I would go back and yell at myself and say, what are you doing? <laughs> so when you said that, I was like, oh, so I'm true. such a jerk to myself, but you're so nice to yourself. <laughs> well, you know, <laughs> there's something to be said for the fact that I made so many mistakes in the beginning. I mean, I, I'm still making mistakes. That's just, that's just how it goes. But I, 
I, I look back fondly on those times and think, gosh, I, I mean, there are so many people, as you were talking about earlier, if you don't change with the tides, you can become obsolete. I mean, I could name, you know, a dozen bloggers right now that maybe you would recognize their name, but but most people listening would not because they did not make the changes necessary and embrace the waves that were coming in the industry and now their blogs don't exist or they are are kind of buried underneath the other hundreds of, you know, more um, successful blogs at this point. And at the time, I mean, I, I thought that they were the, um, you know, blogs to emulate and now you don't really see them anywhere. And so that's, you you know, so you should look back fondly and say, you know what, I stuck it out. There's there's a lot to be said for that, for just keeping the needle going as you go along and you see things change and things get hard. Um, so, but there, there definitely are plenty of things. Like I said, don't go back and look at my earliest photography. It's so terrible. Um, you know, I probably would have named my blog, you know, something different that's not so hard to pronounce. Uh, plenty of things like that. But um, you know, in all, if you are still in it today, you're, you're halfway there. You're doing really good just by hanging in there. Oh, I love that. Okay. So I have a little bit of grace with myself now because it has been a rough journey. I mean, it's been like up and down and all over the place. And then you think things are going really well and then you get slammed with an algorithm. Even if you have everything seems to be going well on your site and you're posting consistently, so those times happen when you Absolutely. think everything's great yes. <laughs> and you're making a lot of money and then all of a sudden, whoa. So how do you deal with that? Because that's different than the earlier days that we're talking about. Like the earlier days are just like, I don't know what I'm doing. We're just trying to figure it out. But speak to that. Once you have your blog kind of up and running and you feel like things are going well and then something bad happens, how have you dealt with those times? Right. So I mean, I think the first step is just to acknowledge and realize that the pathway to success is not linear. It is a journey. There is going to be ups and downs. Um, and as soon as you accept that, everything else will be a little bit easier. Sometimes changes are required, and that's just part of the season that you're in. When things do come and happen, and I mean, I want to make it really clear that after you know so many years of blogging, I still get hit hard with an algorithm. I still have to make adjustments. I still have days where I think, wait a minute, I thought this was working. And then all of a sudden it's not working. And when that happens, um, I have a couple of go-tos that help me move through that. One of those is just to take a breath, really go back to your core values and take time to revisit some of your other interests. For me, that's family time um, and some of my other hobbies. Like we really love out the outdoors in my family. So I try to focus on some of the things that are in the real world really happening that are not in a computer and not virtual um, because it, it can get so easy to get lost in this virtual world that you're working in. And if you can remind yourself that, I mean, most of your business, you can't even touch. 
you know, it's it's all kind of in your mind a little bit, you know, um, there's all these numbers and, and yes, the money is real, but I mean, most of it we've never held in our hands. <laughs> so it's, it's kind of a virtual world, but remind yourself that you're in the real world, you know, take a minute to, to step out, go do something um, that's important to you. That's not work related. And sometimes that's just an afternoon. That can be a day. Sometimes I need a week. I mean, I don't completely step away from my work, but I, I try to remind myself and I purposely and intentionally plan some things into my week that will help me stay um, grounded in those things that are not so um, intangible, if you know what I mean. Yeah, <laughs> most of your business, you can't even touch. I wrote that down. That makes me feel like we're all a little bit crazy. Like we can't actually touch it. Like everything we create is, I know. if computers and technology went away, there would be nothing. It would be like, poof, there was no business. Exactly. And that was a huge realization for me after a few years of blogging and there had been some really big ups and downs. And I, I kind of had this aha moment where I thought I am so worked up. I remember it was um, just a really tumultuous time in the industry overall. And then I felt like I got hit so hard with some big changes. And I remember having this moment thinking, I am so worked up and I am so stressed about something I can't even touch. How crazy is that? Um, but So I try to remind myself of that when these ups and downs come. And um, the second thing I do after I've kind of grounded myself, reminded myself that, okay, you know, this is all a bunch of numbers, mostly, you know, it's, um, it's not, you know, in the real world with me, and, and it's not hurting me, you know, as stressed as I am, and as painful as it seems to be, you know, nobody's attacking me. And so, um, if you can realize that, then, I like to take control of one thing. I try to zero in on one thing I can do to move in a forward direction. And I have to kind of combat that voice in my head that says, I need to do all the things, all the things right now to fix this problem, to move through this hurdle or whatever it may be. Um, but as long as I can really zero in on one thing I can do, and that that may be in that hour or that day, um, but I feel so much better if I can zero in Pick, pinpoint one thing that will really help me move the needle forward. And I feel so much more in control of what's going on. Um, and so to kind of step back and say, okay, I can't do everything right now. In fact, I don't even have all the answers. I'm not quite sure how to fix this huge problem. Pick one thing that you can work on that day and you will sleep better that night knowing that you are moving in a forward direction, even if you're not quite sure where that direction is going to take you, what the future of your business is. Um, just picking one thing um, can really help you just feel more calm and at peace and be in control of what's happening. And you don't feel like you're letting yourself down because if you pick too many things like, oh, I'm going to do five things and then you only do two of them, then you're like, oh, I'm such a disappointment. So I love that. Just one thing and then you can fulfill that need like yes I did something and you're also you're not sitting around doing nothing so I love that if you could go back to yourself your old self a previous Tiffany let's say five years ago and tell her one thing to do that would maybe be different than what you decided anything relating to your blog what would it be I feel like a big part of it that we talked about earlier was just sticking with it, but um, probably 
stop comparing. <laughs> I felt like I was really comparing my journey and my blog to those around me. And if I um, had been able to a little bit sooner um, be able to just kind of step back and just focus on what I was doing and not worry about trying to keep up with the Joneses, so to speak, um, I think that I would have been able to maybe move in the direction that I'm already in, but maybe faster, if that makes sense. I feel like that comparison trap kind of slowed me down for a while um, and, and in some ways kind of paralyzed me into not being able to make um, positive decisions for my business and move it forward. And so I would say, you know, hey, just take a step back and remember that what you're doing is working. You know, it, you're moving in the right direction and you've already come so far. Um, so try to focus on the positives and keep moving forward. And then um, that that success can come quicker. And do you find this too? I found that actually befriending your quote competition is a way to combat the comparison trap. And once you see that there's actually people, humans who are nice and they're hard workers too, that suddenly I'm like, oh, they're, I mean, they're technically my competition, but not really. They're like really, really awesome people. Right. Yes. Yes. And there are, um, <laughs> obviously there's every kind of person involved in, um, the food blogging industry. Um, but if you can find a couple of, of other bloggers to lean on, you'll feel like you kind of have um, a network, a team to, to keep you motivated, some people to keep you grounded and, and remind you that, you know, you're all working towards the same thing. And um, it is true that, you know, sometimes you can get caught up thinking all these people are my competition, but really you're all working towards the same goal. And if they, I mean, if all those others didn't have food blogs, there would be no industry. You know, you have to remember that. Um, and that really you're all kind of working towards the same thing. And it's not um, so much, you know, you don't need to be stealing, you know, traffic from other places. There are, um, there's, you know, I, I always say, in my opinion, food blogging is the best um, type of food type of blogging to be in because people have to eat every day. You know, people don't have to go shopping for new clothes. People don't have to, um, you know, do these, um, you know, maybe mommy projects or whatever it is, but people have to eat every day. And so you remember that your business is timeless in the, in the sense that you're offering something people are always going to need regardless of what the the times are doing, what the industry is doing, what the, um, you know, what economic state um, things are in, people still have to eat. So, you know, there's plenty of people out there looking for recipes. Um, so remember that you're all kind of working towards the same goal and it's not a matter of, you know, taking all the traffic for yourself. Yeah, that's so true. And I think, we all get to the point where we understand that, but there's a while when we start blogging where we don't. And we're like, I, if I'm doing well, someone else is not. But that is not the case. If, if you are doing well, the rest of us are going to do better because we're going to learn from you and we lift each other up. So I love it when people point that out, especially people who have been doing this for a while. I want to ask you... If you were speaking to a newer blogger right now, so somebody who started maybe within the past one or two years, and you were talking about the need to be adaptable and to be resilient, what would you say to them? Um, I would give them a couple of like really hard and firm takeaways that um, 
<laughs> that you need in adapting. Um, one would be to observe and research, um, which I mean, the fact is that changes will happen in the industry and you there's nothing you can do about that. The only thing you can do is be smart about it. So when you see something changing, you've been, you know, say you've been working on something for a little while and you think this is great. I'm I'm doing really good. I'm seeing a lot of progress. Then there's a big shift and you start to freak out a little bit. I mean, everybody has that panic moment where you think, oh, I'm not doing something right or I need to be doing something I'm not doing. Um, you know, step back, observe and research. Is this a temporary fact? or is this a long-lasting industry shift? This will help you decipher which changes in the industry are worth embracing and growing into and which ones are not worth your time and effort. You know, I can name a lot of things that came and went over the years, things that have come to stay. You know, I remember when, uh, I mean, this can be anything from cooking methods to photography styles or your website structure or social media, which we know is ever changing. Um, but I remember, you know, when the instant pot started to get big, um, some of us were thinking, is this, is this, is this here to stay? You know, is this replacing the slow cooker? This is a process that we all went through. And as we know, Instant Pot is very big and that's um, something that we've embraced. I remember kind of going slow and thinking, I don't know if I want to do this Instant Pot thing, <laughs> but you know, it's turned into a great thing for my site. There are other things, you know, there's been social media platforms that have popped up over time that ended up not really coming to fruition. I remember there were early adopters, um, other bloggers that I knew, friends that I had maybe that thought, oh, this is the next big thing. We've got to get on. But they wasted hours or months even, you know, trying to pour themselves into that and it never came to anything. So really a step back and observe and and try to take a beat um, and, and, and try to decipher if this is something that you need to embrace or not. And then if it is, I would move on to a second step, which is to make a plan. Um, ask yourself questions like, how important is this? And where does this fall into my priority list? Can I do it myself? Or do I need to hire out and bring on a team member? Um, does this require, you know, a monetary investment? If so, am I in a position to, to do that? And what resources do I already have that could be repurposed or reallocated to make this work for me? Um, asking yourself these types of questions will help get you clarity on how to um, adapt into this new situation or this new thing that needs to be incorporated into your business. Um, and then as just a last step, I would say assess and adjust what is working, what's not working, and then make small changes as needed. But that kind of process that I've gone through so many times over the years um, of, you know, observing, making a plan, and then assess and readjust um, has gotten me through so many transitions and so many ups and downs in the industry. Um, so that would be my advice to a new blogger is, you know, accept that these these changes are going to come and they are often really unpredictable. But if you kind of follow this process and um, and whatnot, you can get you can get through them and you can build your blog into a bigger business every time you go through one of these changes. So bottom line, it's impossible to build a successful blog, blogging business without being resilient. You can't be one way and expect nothing to change. Right. That's it's so true. And I've seen this cycle so many times um, in the past, you know, eight years. Um, and it's those who embrace the changes, the important changes um, and those big industry shifts. As long as you can keep uh, being adaptable and changing with the times, 
you will stay relevant and your your business will continue to grow. So many great quotes. I am writing like crazy, Tiffany. This is so fun and such a great chat to have because I feel like, I don't know about you, but this past year or two, it's like there are so many changes with Google and Pinterest and all the platforms that it's almost like we're just used to it now. Like, oh, another massive core update is coming. and Another day in the life. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like I was just talking to an SEO expert who shared that um, in the past month or month and a half, there have been more Google updates than like ever before. And so it's just like a part of our worlds. So we're just being like tossed around, but it's normal. <laughs> it right. didn't used to be like this. This was not normal before. There was a time when blogging was so much more simple. It was so, it, it seemed so clear cut, right? You like, you make something, you take a picture of it, you put it on your site and you pin it to Pinterest and you're done. <laughs> exactly. Those were, you know, sometimes I think, oh, those are the days. But in that, you know, in that um, phase of the industry, growth was limited. You know, you really need to look at what we have now as opportunity as things change. Um, it's changing for the better overall, even though it feels really painful sometimes to go through some of those changes. I remember when video started to get big and I thought, oh my gosh, I hope it just goes away. <laughs> I don't want to do it, <laughs> you know? And at the time, I mean, things are different now where you can easily, so easily hire out video. But at the time that was not uh, an option. You had to do it yourself, you know? And I remember buying the equipment and going through the, you know, some, I put myself through training to learn video editing and, and all of that. I mean, and now I, I have a great, um, I've hired that out and it, it's a great system for me now, but at the time it fell on my shoulders. And so if you realize that, you know, over time, these things are going to happen, but ultimately your, the potential for growth and for revenue growth is going to continue to increase with these changes. Um, so look at it as something that's actually going to help you in the long run, rather than trying to thwart all of your <laughs> great success, which sometimes it definitely feels that way. I feel like the more complicated things become in our industry, the more opportunities there are available. And that was kind of what you were just saying. Right. Yeah. yeah. So absolutely. how do you look outside your blog to make money? So ad revenue obviously is a great option for people, for anyone, even bloggers just starting. But what if people want to look outside of that? Do you have recommendations about where to go first? Yeah. So, I mean, for those who have a food blog, there's other opportunities. I mean, we've talked about um, ad revenue, but also, you know, working with brands, making those partnerships, which has, um, that too has changed over the years. You know, I, I see a lot fewer uh, brands looking to make long-term partnerships than there used to be, um, but there's still money to be made there. There's also eBooks you can sell. Um, one of my most successful e-cookbooks um, made me, it was a great passive revenue stream for a while. Um, it's not available anymore, so don't go <laughs> look for it. Um, I'm writing I'm writing a new one to replace it. But, um, you know, that's something you can do. You can also, I mean, if you're already going through the process of making recipes, photographing them, then you have an opportunity to be selling your work as far as um, sometimes brands don't really want content on your site. Maybe they just want to buy a recipe from you. Um, maybe they want to buy a photo from you. And uh, those are great ways to be making money on the work you've already done, um, which is fantastic. And then for those who maybe maybe you haven't started a blog or you're just starting and you're not really to that point of, you know, garnering enough traffic, 
to um, make a lot of revenue off of it. There's other opportunities to be working for other bloggers. Um, and other people in the industry. I mean, I um, I had a friend who was really interested in starting a blog and um, it ended up being the right fit that I trained her how to do video and now she has a fantastic video business um, and that was a better fit for her. So there may be something in the industry, you know, and some people do that just on the side. I know um, some videographers also have a food blog, you know, so it doesn't have to be one or the other. You can absolutely do both and you should if you, um, if that fits for you. So there's other things that you can be doing to be making money while you're trying to build up your traffic and, and get to that point of having a steady revenue income. I feel like newer bloggers, especially, you know, they come on the scene and they see other bloggers making so much money through ad revenue that they get kind of caught up in that and to the point where it's almost obsessive. And I feel like if you would just take a little bit of a step back and look at all of the other ways that you can make money, it's almost a good distraction for you while you're working up to being a part of an ad network. Because you, right. when you get so focused on something, and I have experienced this in my journey, and you talked about this a little bit earlier too, you need something to take your mind off it. You talked about having real world distractions to get your mind out of your business. And I feel like it's the same thing with the ad network. You need to distract yourself a little bit, maybe by, you know, being a videographer for other food bloggers or something like that, like you mentioned, um, just to get your your sight off of it, because then it's like this obsessive, almost um, desperate thing. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. And I definitely think that there's something to be said for, um, and I don't want this to come off right away, but trying too hard, <laughs> you know, like there's, there's really um, only so much you can do to get that traffic. If you are meeting all the check boxes, you know, um, and you're, you're doing the work, you're, you're making great recipes, you're taking great photos, you're putting it out there. Um, at that point, I mean, it's, it's really up to uh, what, whatever's going to happen is going to happen. Um, and so to have something else to invest yourself in your time, your energy, your thought process, and something that um, may motivate you to work harder, you know, it, it can be so um, daunting to try and, and have these these, uh, I mean, these goals are great for this um, large levels of traffic and, and that absolutely, you know, can be your goal and, and maybe it should be. Um, but at the same time, don't miss other opportunities for growth and for, um, you know, if you're uh, focusing on a, a little side thing of doing a video for somebody or maybe you're selling recipes, there was a time in my um in my blogging journey where I was still posting all the time on my own site, but I had other, you know, slightly larger bloggers who just were not really enjoying the process of making their own recipes and they would buy some from me. I would, you know, build up a stash of extra recipes, which is, um, I feel like has been a, um, a key to my success over the years and um, a key to being adapt adaptable at different times um, is that I always, I always have kind of this repertoire, this stash of recipes that keeps me going. And then, you know, if, if I get sick or something happens or we have a trip come up, you know, then I have something I can pull from. I don't have to feel like, oh my gosh, I don't have any more recipes to post. I can't stay on schedule. You know, I have this kind of this archive that I can pull from. And there was a point where I was selling those to other bloggers, you know, and that might be something that people don't think about, but, um, 
you know, it can, especially for bloggers that have been doing a long time, some of them still love it. I, I love developing recipes. I love photographing them. Some people don't really want to do that part anymore, you know, so maybe reaching out to them and saying, Hey, I've really honed in my photography. I'm really good at developing recipes. Do you want to, I have these already made. Do you want to buy some, you know, and that might be something that they're interested in. And then getting that a little bit of revenue coming in that direction can really keep you going and keep you motivated to be, you know, building your site and getting that traffic. But in the meantime, having that kind of pick me up and that motivation of, okay, I'm, I'm making money. Maybe it's not just from my ad revenue. Maybe I'm not making any from, you know, ad revenue yet, but I am making money. This is successful. I am doing the right things and that can keep you going and motivated. Oh my gosh. I love your um, recipe development and selling that. I don't think I've ever heard anyone say that, but as you were talking through like having a stash of recipes at all time, that goes back to what you were saying earlier, Tiffany, about buying back your time. That's almost a way of having like a database of content so that you can have that time to spend how you want to spend it. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and um, you know, there's this method of productivity called batch working. Um, and I've, I mean, this isn't, um, you know, maybe what everyone would do, but there are times when I have more I have more time to give to recipe development. And so I will crank out a ton of extra recipes. I maybe don't need them yet, but I will need them later on. And it's so nice. It's such peace of mind to be able to fall back on that. Um, And then at other times when life is busier, um, other aspects of my business come up that need more attention, I can scale back and say, it's okay. I have, you know, X amount of recipes just, you know, sitting in my computer waiting. I, I can let that rest and focus on the other things that are taking up my time. And it, it really gives you a lot of a lot of peace of mind. Yeah, definitely. This has been so great. It's so fun to talk to you, Tiffany, and just hear about the evolution of your journey and your blog and kind of how it has affected you as a person. I mean, we sometimes forget that there that there's actually people behind the blogs. Even as bloggers, we're like, oh, well, Tiffany, she's had a successful jo- or blog for so many years. She's probably had a you know, smooth sailing the whole time, but that's not true. Oh, like we all, everyone has the stories and the ups and the downs and the heartbreaks and all of it. So it's really good to hear from you that yes, that is real. It has been a journey. Yeah, it is. And I think that that's something that I would have benefited from hearing um, years ago. You know, I, I really did think that, you know, this pathway to success was going to be linear and it was going to be continual growth, you know, and <laughs> smooth sailing. And and uh, that is so, you know, and when I, I remember when that first kind of big dip for me happened and in my traffic level and my revenue kind of changed and I, you know, wondered if this was working, if, if I was doing the right things or if this was going to die, you know, and, and um, I, it was really difficult for me. It would have been such a nice thing to hear that, that you know, this is, this is normal and this is going to keep happening. So just keep running with it, you know, and there are, I mean, even the biggest names out there, the ones you're trying to emulate or the ones that you use as a, a benchmark or maybe a role model for success in your industry, you know, even, even they are going through the same things you're going through. It, it might feel bigger to you because, you know, you're, it's earlier on in your journey, but they're feeling the same things and they are stressed about a lot of the same things. Um, and 
it's still it's still possible to grow through that. I think that's really important to know. Thank you so much for sharing everything, Tiffany. I hope you have a wonderful day. And also, I hope that you did not get blown away by your windstorm <laughs> that was happening during our call. <laughs> We're still here. <laughs> is it still crazy windy or did it die down? It is. No, it's still crazy windy. I'm a little nervous about um, my kid's playhouse oh. in the back. I'll have to go see if it's still here. Oh, I hope everything's okay. <laughs> but, and thank- uh, No broken windows. Oh. And I think our, our trees are still rude, oh, well, so. that's good <laughs> and I appreciate you doing this interview even though there's craziness going on all around you well thank you so much for having yes, me yes this was fun before you go do you have a favorite quote you did share that you have a couple quotes and I'd love for you to share those with food bloggers yeah absolutely so um one of these is kind of long-winded, but when I came across this um, a handful of years ago, it really helped me get through a lot. And I have I've gone back and read it at times when I felt discouraged. So I'd love to share it. It's um it's a quote by Ira Glass, who is an American public radio personality, um, and he says, "Nobody tells this to people who are beginners. I wish someone told me. All of us who do creative work, we get into it because we have good taste, but there's this gap. For the first couple of years, you make stuff." and it's just not that good. It's trying to be good. It has potential, but it's not. But your taste, the thing that got you into the game is still killer. And your taste is why your work disappoints you. A lot of people never get past this phase. They quit. Most people I know who do interesting creative work went through years of this. We know our work doesn't have this special thing that we want it to have. We all go through this. And if you're just starting out or if you are still in this phase, you got to know it's normal. And the most important thing you can do is do a lot of work. It is only by going through a volume of work that you will close that gap and your work will be as good as your ambitions. And I took longer to figure out this than anyone I've ever met. It's going to take a while. You just got to fight your way through. So I've really loved that quote. It's so inspiring to me. And it was kind of that it was kind of what we were just talking about. It was like that person putting an arm around me saying, hey, this is normal, you know, and the reason you're dissatisfied with what you're doing right now is because you have great ambition, you have great taste, you have a great dream that you're working toward, um, and you will get there. You just got to fight your way through. Oh, it's so, that's such a perfect quote to end this with. And I know you have one more, so why don't you share that one too? I do. And this one's much shorter. (laughs) This one just says, anyone who isn't embarrassed by who they were last year probably isn't learning enough. So (laughs) I really love that one. Um, I look back at what I've done, you know, you could say I've done wrong over the years. um, And there are plenty of things I, you know, I regret or I wish I'd done differently. Um, And sometimes I do feel like I'm in that phase where I look at what I've, done or what I've built. And I'm, I feel a little embarrassed. You know, I was talking about that earlier with my photography and I look at it and I think, oh my gosh, that was terrible. Or those recipes, why did I ever think that anyone was going to want to make that? You know, but um, the truth is that it's, you know, as you learn, you learn, you don't know what you don't know. And over time, um, you, you may feel those moments of being embarrassed of who you were a year ago, but it's because you're learning and you're growing and that's a good thing. Oh, such a great way to end. Thank you for sharing both of those. Um, Tiffany, we're going to put together a show notes page for you. So if anyone wants to go check that out, we will have main takeaways. We'll have um, the quotes that Tiffany shared and also links to her blog and her accounts. Um, And you can find that at eatblogtalk.com forward slash creme de la creme. Tell everyone where they can best find you online, Tiffany. 
So on my website is always good. I always have new content coming out there. Um, but if you want to hang out with me a little more personally, you can jump over to Instagram. That's kind of where I like to um, connect with people. And um, I would love to hear from anyone who might have questions or just wants to connect. Um, I, I love sharing what I do know. I know I have lots to learn and, and lots more growth to happen. But um, yeah, look for me on, on Instagram. I'd love to connect with you. And that would be great. Awesome. Well, thanks again, Tiffany, for being here and for taking the time for this today. And thank you for listening today, food bloggers. I will see you next time. We're glad you could join us on this episode of Eat Blog Talk. For more resources based on today's discussion, as well as show notes and an opportunity to be on a future episode of the show, be sure to head to eatblogtalk.com. If you feel that hunger for information, we'll be here to feed you on Eat Blog Talk.